The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's the eve of big tech earnings. Microsoft, Google, Meta, Amazon, four of the Magnificent Seven set to report next week. We're going to talk the promise versus the economics of AI. It's Friday, October 20th. Welcome to the Tech Check Podcast. I'm Deirdre Bosa. And I'm Mark Gilbert. Today, it's all about the forecast. Looking ahead to next week when we'll get numbers from Microsoft, Alphabet, Meta, and Amazon about what they saw in the third quarter and what they see coming down the pike in Q4D. So as for much of the year, artificial intelligence, specifically generative AI, is still very much front and center. But Gilbert, it has been an evolution this year. We had the hype and the promise when, you know, the Magnificent Seven became the Magnificent Seven, largely because of this hype cycle. Um, But second half of the year, these stocks haven't quite done as well. And it's sort of like the cold, hard reality of AI economics has settled in. Through the first half of the year, the hype was a benefit. Um, But there's just this market shift in the second half where costs and unclear monetization feels like a bit more of a risk to the margin improvements, which was, you know, really the focus at the end of last year and the start of this year. Right. And next week, we'll get those four, the four that stand to benefit you know, arguably the most from AI, maybe along with NVIDIA, but also stand to lose the most if they can't prove to investors that their strategies are working. On top of that, they're climbing, they're they're contending with all sorts of macro challenges, climbing treasury yields um, that threatens to, to uh, you know, depress the the attraction of, of equities as a whole and of growth equities in, in particular, but, but not yeah. if they're seen as defensive. Yeah. And I want to just spend a moment talking about this, because if you're watching CNBC or you're watching any kind of financial news network during the day, you hear that it's sort of this zero sum game between treasuries and equities and growth stocks, as you say, get hit hardest when rates are rising. However, we make this point often is that big tech mega caps are kind of in a league of their own, right? They're not high growth. They're GARPY, as we call them the other day, growth at a reasonable cost. They have these sort of stellar- You keep saying cost. It's growth at a reasonable price. What did I say? Cost. Because then it would be GARP. It's GARP. GARP. Yeah. (laughs) GARP. Growth at a reasonable price. Thank you. So the key word there being reasonable, these aren't like this super high growth of young tech companies whose best days are ahead of it. They're sort of more mature, but even like a Google that has 10% growth on its advertising business in this kind of market against this kind of backdrop with yields where they are, that's pretty good and puts them in a pretty good position, even with rising yields, plus, plus, plus. But again, plus, maybe most importantly, those huge cash piles. Right. Rising yields are, are supposed to make you move out of the most speculative, um, you know, unprofitable, unprofitable names, which usually has meant uh, tech. What's what's strange about the market right now is that the biggest seven companies are all tech and they're all the ones, you know, and, and a number of them have, you know, fortress balance sheets and they have uh, very dependable revenue streams and predictable, um, predictable, you know, profit models uh you know and so there's this there's a strange uh you know the 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 string is getting pulled on both sides and it's hard to exactly see um 
you know, what what the market's telling us. Even the words you just used there, fortress, dependable, those are defensive words, right. <laughs> underlining the fact that mega cap, more defensive in this kind of market than even some of your typical defense play. So a little bit of a shift there, but we do have um, four of the Magnificent Seven up next week. Let's go through each of them. First up, Microsoft. Okay. Lots of AI propositions here. They have their huge investment in OpenAI itself. Um, they're integrating a lot of those tools through Azure. That's their cloud unit. And also that 365 co-pilot that should boost financials. Remember, I think that when that was announced, Microsoft hit a new all-time high, but essentially 30 bucks per user per month to take advantage of those AI tools. So expectations are high, but we got to remind our audience that last quarter, CFO Amy Hood, she threw cold water on any kind of near-term impact. She said that the growth of AI services is going to be gradual and monetization, key word for investors right now. She said that's going to be felt most in the second half of fiscal 2024. That's not calendar 2024. That's the first half of calendar year 2025. So that's more than a year away, Gilbert. That is way off in the future when investors, again, are kind of over that hype cycle and wanting to see uh, more monetization behind these things. And it's also in the meantime, got to spend more. So we're going to look for more details there. Right. And that and that what's actually going to be driving this quarter potentially is going to be the costs of, of that AI. And um, what's going to be driving the revenue is Azure and 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 just like, you know, nuts and bolts cloud growth, which is what's driven so much of the growth of the last decade. Speaking of that cloud growth. Hold on. Do you say Azure or Azure? Azure. Oh, that's so funny. I don't even know if I can tell the difference between those two. Azure. Azure. It's Azure. always a strange one because when you say it, there's it's not a hard Z or Z, as I well, might say. How do you say it in but... Canada is probably the question. Uh, <laughs> to speaking of cloud, uh, we got to talk. If we're going to talk about cloud, we have to talk about the biggest player, which still Amazon and AWS, though. Yes. And you could argue that cloud is going to be the single biggest factor for Amazon this quarter because it actually encapsulates that AI proposition as well. It's where they are putting all of those efforts. And the street is really looking for conviction here that AWS growth has bottomed. This is not just an AI story. This is an enterprise spend story. But um, post-pandemic, AWS growth started to decline. Particularly here, this is a law of large numbers. This is still by far the biggest cloud player. Um, but at some point, some of those AI tools and spend should be helping out that trajectory. So they haven't been willing to say that it's bottomed in past quarters. I always ask it every time I get on their media call with the CFO, and he's never willing to say it's bottomed. Just you know, but this quarter, I think investors are really looking for that kind of language. Um, we should also note that Amazon hasn't raised its capex outlook like the other mega caps have. They have. There's such a huge spender in the first place, so that may be part of it. But they could actually raise that this quarter, and that could be another point for the AI threat category. And the reason they may do so is because it's still largely seen by the street as behind Google and Microsoft in this AI race. So it's got to catch up here. Right. And, um, and the point being that catching up costs money. And Amazon has never been shy about posting huge investment quarters, beating their margins to shreds if they think that they can get them you know, a competitive advantage in the, in the future. Um, third, the third one that's reporting is Alphabet, right? That's uh, that's coming next week. Also going to have a huge part of its business be uh, be cloud, but Alphabet may be the most straightforward one of these four we're going to talk about. Bernstein calls it the, quote, warm hug of internet stocks. 
AI is important, cloud is important, but it's really search and YouTube, which are still the, the biggest businesses and the biggest drivers of profitability. We're likely going to get double digit growth from both of those units. And, and that looks pretty good against against the, the current macro uh, backdrop. I really love that language from Bernstein, the warm hug of mega cap tech. And that is truly how I think about Google's advertising business. It is one of the best businesses ever created and has just been so lasting for Google and allowed them to do so many other things, a lot of their moonshotty projects, and then YouTube as well, right? I mean, even though the ad market has come under pressure over the last year or so, Google has been remarkably resilient, and that includes YouTube. So even if there's a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of noise, you got to go back to the fact that Google's business is still overwhelmingly the advertising market. It is still, you know, just such a big um player here that it manages to be resilient when even the snaps and the metas are less so remember the apple io privacy changes right that just that hurt meta and snap so much google kind of shook it, off. it off they've got first party data speaking of first party data <laughs> talk to anyone in ai they say that this is one of the most important things you can have so that should actually put google in a good position there as well but again comes back to monetization right that's what investors want to hear a week ago, we talked about spicy versus Garpy, and you just you referenced it earlier. But if you had to put some of these these mega caps on a on a spectrum, right, from spiciest to Garpiest, growth at a reasonable price, I mean, you got to think Alphabet is is the furthest to the Garpy side of the spectrum, right? I mean, they are. This is the most sort of uh, you know the least headline risk, the most most tied to the macro ad market, ad spending. Um, you know, there there isn't the the similar issues with with Meta around monetization and reels and which products are going to get um, you know emphasized and monetized and how much are they going to spend. Um, this is a this is a real dependable, straightforward business. How can a warm hug be controversial? Right. You could even argue that Sundar Pichai is like the personification of a warm hug. He's just so thoughtful and gentle and straightforward and, you know, certainly not like a Zuckerberg, which brings us to number, to four. number four, right, which is Meta. And that's the fourth big, big mega cap that's reporting next week. And the big story on Meta is clear. It is spending. Somewhat ironically, since Mark Zuckerberg kicked off the year of efficiency and it was all about cost cutting, but it's all about spending. Can they keep total expenses under $100 billion? That's the forecast. And can they keep the forecasted CapEx number under $40 billion? And those are huge numbers, but investors and analysts in the notes that we read, Deirdre, they seem prepared for it. Yeah. And um, you know, and, and those investment numbers are coming on some very strong double-digit revenue growth. I can't help but laugh a little bit that the guy that pushed the year of efficiency is going to have potential OPEX of $100 billion, but still be cash flow positive. And that's, again, just to our earlier point, that's what these mega caps can do. They can spend so much money. They can take all of these chances. And because they have these balance sheets and these cash piles, they can do so. And the fact that this is well flagged, I mean, Zuckerberg has just done an incredible job of going from villain to kind of Wall Street hero, getting costs in line with a bunch of layoffs, but spending, or I don't know, yes, yeah, spending. I mean, a lot of this is going to come from the metaverse as well, but he's managed to sort of meld AI and metaverse together and Wall Street has given him a pass. 
Right. I think the key point being that when you're spending a bunch of money on things that seem like moonshots, you tend to get uh, a lot more criticism than when you're spending. And we're going to, we might see this from, from Amazon and we might see this from, from Microsoft and Alphabet and, you know, anyway, even Apple, right? When it reports the week after is when that spending is seen as, you know, taking this generational shift in generative AI, that's seen as a, as a positive and a buoy for the, for the stock. One last thing for me, um, we did get the first of big tech, Netflix and Tesla this week. We're thinking next week that we might do sort of a deep dive our weekly on Tesla. But this week we did Netflix and it's, what did we call it? Side quest. I love that language. The side quest. Yeah. When you have to go <laughs> so, on a side quest. <laughs> and where do you go on side quests, Gilbert? Video, Video games. games. Um, by the way, that wasn't us. That was our brilliant producer, Jasmine Wu, who came up with that one. Well, um, she's a but- gamer. So it makes sense that she... <laughs> Is she a gamer or is she now a Netflix gamer? No, no, no. she's a gamer. She's an she's an OG gamer, and now, yes, now she's an experienced Netflix gamer, along with our Steve Kovac, who played a bunch of Netflix games. And so that's the subject of our weekly this week. It's a long one. Uh, I think it's going to be what is it going to be longer than twelve minutes, uh, and that's going to come later today to the the podcast feed. So stay tuned for that deep dive onto what and is a Netflix game. You got to watch it because we actually. We made Jasmine and Steve Kovac download the Love is Blind game. It is now on their iPhone home screen. So it can't all be for naught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so make sure you check out that weekly. Play some net game, Netflix games yourself and let us know what you think. And we'll see you right back here Monday for the Super Bowl of earnings season. Big tech. I won't let my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis symptoms define me. Emerge as you. In two clinical studies, Trimphia guselcumab, taken by injection, provided 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks in 7 out of 10 adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. In a study, nearly 7 out of 10 patients with 90% clearer skin at 16 weeks were still clearer at 5 years. At 1 year and thereafter, patients and healthcare providers knew that Trimphia was being used. This may have increased results. Results may vary. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Trimphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information at Tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Tremphia.